Everyone has challenges when applying to top law schools, but combine non-traditional work experience, a low stat or two, and a growing family, and this applicant faced significantly more than the usual hurdles. He overcame them all and got into his top choice program along with several others. Let's find out how he did it and how he's doing now. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me for this, the 507th episode of Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for tuning in. Are you ready to apply to your dream law school? Are you competitive at your target programs? Accepted's Law School Admissions Quiz can give you a quick reality check. And not only that reality check, but an assessment and tips on how to improve your qualifications. Plus, it's all free. You can use the calculator at accepted.com slash law dash quiz to obtain your complimentary assessment. Again, that's accepted.com slash law dash quiz to obtain your complimentary assessment. I'd like to welcome to Admission Straight Talk, Yitzi Frankel, who is a 1L at UCLA Law. Yitzi earned his bachelor's in psychology from Yeshiva University in 2013 and a master's in marketing from Sci Sims School of Business in 2018. Before joining Sci Sims, he worked as the marketing and social media manager for fencing in the schools, and that's fencing as in the sword stuff, not the stuff around your backyard. And while at fencing in the schools, he managed fencing programs in 10 states. After earning his master's, he worked at a Jewish boys high school in Los Angeles as director of admissions and marketing. And he did that from 2017 to 2022 when he left to join UCLA Law. Yitzi, welcome to Admissions Straight Talk. Hello, glad to be here. Wonderful to have you. Okay, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Where did you grow up? That kind of thing. Uh, grew up here in LA. Um, mm -hmm. went to, to school in New York, Yeshiva University. I met my wife and we got married uh, in LA, but we lived in New York for a, for a couple of years. And then, you know, the weather was just too much and you can't compete with the weather out here. So we moved back where our families are. Wonderful. Before we get into the admissions and law school stuff, what do you like to do for fun? Just a little background. Um, I, I guess I have three main hobbies. Fencing, okay. obviously. Okay. Uh, no fence competitively. Haven't in a little bit of time with COVID and studying for the LSAT, but I, I still consider myself a fencer. I love biking and I'm a Van Gogh enthusiast. My oh, goal wow. is to see every Van Gogh painting in the world. There was a big Van Gogh exhibit here last year, wasn't there, or two years ago? Uh, there was one in Santa Barbara recently. Right. And I'm actually, for my break, I'm flying to Detroit for, for a couple of days with my oldest daughter. We're going to go see a Van Gogh exhibit there. Wow, wow. Okay. All right. Now let's get to law school stuff. How did you get interested in becoming a lawyer? It's quite a change from the psychology um, and marketing or being an admissions director at a high school. It's something that I was interested in when I was like 16 in high school and then kind of came back. I'm 34 now. Okay. So definitely kind of like a second career. But basically, I had a, a teacher, uh, Mr. Wasserman in high school that gave me a John Grisham book and I fell in love with it. And at the time, I think there was like 16 or 17 and I read all of them in two months. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I know the, since then I've learned the legal field is not like the novels, <laughs> but that's definitely what piqued my interest. And I definitely always want to be a lawyer since then. The reason it took me so long is because I got to college and for various reasons, uh, my GPA suffered. 
no good reasons. <laughs> nothing, no, nothing that, that's excusable is just my lack of focus. And so I decided, like, I guess law school is not for me with my GPA. I later learned that, you know, with a good LSAT and, and a strong uh, application, you can really make up for a lot. But I kept pushing it off and I got married. I'm like, I should have done it before. I had my first child. I should have done it before. Then I had twins in the middle of COVID. I'm like, oh, now it's for sure too late. And then I met someone who was four or five years older than me, who had decided enough pushing it off, time to go. And he went back to law school. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of really inspired me that like if he could do it and and I could be done before he started age-wise, yeah. what's my excuse? Wow. So is he out now? Uh, he might be in his last year. I, I don't remember okay. exactly okay. when he started. All right. So you mentioned the low GPA. Did you face any challenges, uh, other challenges, I should say, besides the low GPA when you were applying to law school? I mean, I guess other than kind of like my age and having three kids and, and uh, you know, it being a little bit different to take off three years to go to law school. Yeah, it was really the low GPA. And I just knew I needed to have a perfected application. All right. So the two questions, how did you address or attempt to address the low GPA? Obviously you can't change it. Was your master's GPA higher? Yeah. And, so Okay. So that was already good. That, and that definitely, I took, like I completed that in, I think 2018. So it was definitely not something that I, I did on the side just to show that I could get a high GPA for the purposes of law school, though I'm sure that probably works, but it, it was, you know, working Brigitte had accepted, I was really able to take responsibility for why my GP had been so low, even though it was so many years ago, and to show them between my career and between the master's, and obviously with a you know, good LSAT score, that I really can handle the rigors of law school, and don't judge me just by my GPA that was old. Right. That's, that's basically what you have to do. And in terms of, of the LSAT, did you take it once? Did you take it more than once? Did you um, get it two? Did you take a course? I took it twice. Okay. I studied with a phenomenal teacher, but uh, you know, with three kids and a full-time job, I made the mistake of taking it the first time right after the holidays in like September, October time oh, yeah. about a year ago and you know, have not having a minute to breathe and that just that like final stretch of studying right before is very important. I didn't do as well as I expected. And Brigitte actually encouraged me to like, if you think you can do better, go for it. Right. And thank God I, I took it then in January. So I was also a late applicant as far as like law schools go. I applied in the end of January, early February. Oh, wow. That is late. Yeah. Yeah. But you still did it. Yeah. All right. And in terms of making your application perfect, what did the perfect application mean to you? I mean, at a very detailed level and like, you mm-hmm. know, make, making sure every period is in the right place. Mm-hmm. But it was more working with Brigitte to just craft a coherent story, whether it was the personal statement or an addendum about my GPA. Uh-huh. I don't know if I have the most impressive story. I'm sure they, they hear some, some really impressive stories and people have had impressive experiences and lives, but I spoke about what was personal to me sure. and it was really well-crafted. Most people apply to law school once. So it's something that's like, why not talk to the experts? And, you know, Brigitte was an expert in non-traditional applicants. She, I believe, worked for UVA's admissions department at people like me. Like, let's give them a second look and see see what's there. She kept me from making mistakes. Uh, what a like, really funny example was I kind of took what I thought was like a self-deprecating crack at admissions officers because I was working in admissions. Right. And she's like, 
who do you think is reading your application? <laughs> think about that. <laughs> so she really helped me to present the best version of myself, I think. That's a great answer. Thank you. How did you choose where to apply? I mean, you obviously applied to UCLA. You got into UCLA, yeah. but that was one of many schools that you applied to. So what were you looking um, for in law schools? I applied to 17 schools. You had several uh, acceptances too. I had seven acceptances, six wait lists, and wow. three rejections. That's amazing. That's very impressive. Yeah, I, I know. I was shocked. I, <laughs> I honestly, you know, UCLA was the dream. I'm thrilled that I got in. It was very funny. I guess as a splitter, you know, high LSAT, low GPA, I was either waitlisted or accepted with a lot of scholarship. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, I chose schools that were obviously in LA. I blanketed the the, out, the LA area, but also just because uh, I'm a religious Orthodox Jew and I've got three kids, I picked schools where I thought I was competitive that were in decent enough Jewish communities. Got it. So one good example is like Wash U in St. Louis. Yes. Phenomenal yeah. school. They, they gave me a ton of scholarship. They were very generous and a, and a good Jewish community. Right, right. Wonderful. Why did you choose UCLA? Was it mostly family or was it something about um, the program? I guess for two reasons. Honestly, like, you know, it, it made the most sense. It was here in LA. Both our families are here, very highly ranked. But that that was like the reason that was number one. But having like learning more about it and having gone there, it's just such a phenomenal school. It's known as one of the schools where everyone's collaborative. There's really no backstabbing. You know, older students and even my classmates are just happy to share outlines, for example. That's wonderful. Uh, it's really, yeah, the, the, the teachers are just of the highest caliber. And they also have several different institutions where you can specialize. So I'm really able to, I'm just like this coming semester, I'm going to be taking trademark with an expert in the field. Wow, great. And that kind of leads to my next question. When you you're obviously very happy at UCLA, but what do you like best so far about your UCLA law experience? I know you just finished finals, so it might be. Ah. <laughs> and what do you think needs to be improved? So there's two questions um, there. I mean, now that finals are over, you know, that's what I like <laughs> best about it. It's honestly, I'd say the caliber of the professors. They're really, you know, all trained at some of you know the best schools in the country. They're and and they're phenomenal teachers. Oh, that's great. So I really just enjoyed the classes, even the the class I enjoyed the least civil procedure. I just enjoyed going to class every day, even though it was really difficult for me. It was by far the hardest class for me. The cases are just thrilling, in my opinion. <laughs> and what do I like? The, there's really nothing to complain about. There's so much to, there's so many programs going on. Obviously, as a 1L, I don't get a lot of chances to, to take part in it. Mm -hmm. Like my biggest like complaint is that there's a reading room, like like all the way up in the, the fourth floor tower mm -hmm. and the couches are so comfortable and just looking out the window, watching the sunset can kind of <laughs> lull you to sleep. Like they're a little too comfortable. <laughs> I know what you mean. Not about those couches, but about being yeah. comfortable when reading and all of a sudden, oh, well. Yeah. Now, you obviously haven't been in school for several years. What surprised you about your experience at UCLA um, Law? So I obviously wasn't the, the best student, but I found that, you know, by prioritizing my schedule, and I also, like, I kept a living document of, like, kind of like a rolling document that I would edit that was, like, kind of open on my computer at all times of the next week to week and a half of what was coming up, and I would mark what I'd read, what was coming up, 
that kept me on track. So I was always able to keep up with the readings and, and the assignments and whatnot. Uh, it was tough. It was tough sitting in class for hours a day at first, but then, you know, I really got into it. And you adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. You adjusted. Do you have a specialty you intend to go into? For now, I'm looking more in the, there's the Ziffrin Institute at UCLA that has, it's like media, entertainment, technology, and sports. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to take classes in that area, starting with trademark this coming semester. And we'll see. I, I think, you know, the kind of intellectual property side of things is thrilling. All right. Sounds, it's a very interesting field to be sure. Now, you, you mentioned that, you know, you have a family. How old are your kids now, may I ask? Uh, my oldest is four and a half mm -hmm. and the twins and they're identical. So it's really cute. They're about <laughs> two and a half. Wow. Okay. Um, that's yeah. a handful. That's a handful, but the two and a half year olds my, are a panic. <laughs> yeah. My wife gets all the credit. She really, you know, I studied for the LSAT for 11 months and she watched the kids every Sunday I was studying. Um, so she really gets all the credit. It's really not easy to, to make a career change this late in life. And she's the one that really gets most, all the credit really. Well, I'm sure it was, it sounds to me like it was very much a joint effort. Yeah. She's the but, one who called me and encouraged me. Well, that's great. Do you feel that uh, having a family at this point is making your law school experience more difficult or is it giving you focus and motivation? Um, Which way is it? It's, you know, I don't want to say it's, it's an obstacle in a bad way, but it's definitely, you know, my kids need attention. Uh, I sure. wish I could see them more. I spend as much time as I can with them. Like I'm off now. So for a month, I'm just spending every day with them. It's not easy, but it's definitely manageable with, you know, prioritizing. Set aside my work to get it done when I finish class at two until five. I go home, spend an hour with them until they fall asleep, and then finish the rest of my work. And they're young. Hopefully yeah. they won't remember it too much. Well, sounds like you're also disciplined um, and you are making time for them. So far, are you glad you made the decision to pursue the JD? Oh, thrilled. I could not be more happy. I thought yeah. the classes were going to be harder. I thought they were going to be boring. It's like, I'm finally doing what I've wanted to do for years. Oh, that's wonderful. And it's like, it's not something that like I have to slog through and it's like, it's going to be a tough three years, but just get through it. I'm really enjoying my time. That's wonderful. I guess you're yeah. doing what you really wanted to do, like you say, for years, even if it's not like the, a Grisham novel. <laughs> yeah, true. What, do you, what advice would you have for those interested in pursuing a law degree as a non-traditional candidate? A couple of things. Number one, what I, what I found for me, the question that anyone needs to answer, and I've had a bunch of friends come up to me since like I like posted that I'm going back to school this late mm -hmm. in life. Mm -hmm. and some of them not for law school. One wants to do an MBA. One wants to make a career change. They just don't think it's possible this late in life because they don't see people doing it. Like the one question I think you need to ask yourself is, how long will it take you to get there? For law school, it's three years. For medical school, it could be 10 years. Will you wake up in three years and regret not having done it? If the answer is yes, then, then it's an easy question. You got to figure out the logistics. And that was for me. Like I, I've thought about medical school and my brother's a dentist and, I, and an orthodontist and I've thought about it. I won't regret 10 years from now at this stage in my life, not having done that. I know I was going to regret not having gone to law school when I was, you know, 35 or 36. All right. So that was, I think, one piece of advice. But I think oh, that, that was one. And um, number two, and this is like, I could rant about this for, for an hour, put everything you have into the LSAT. It can really change your life. A single point could be the difference between get, getting accepted to your dream school 
or getting rejected and could be worth, worth thousands of dollars in scholarship. For me, you know, I had in some ways the benefit of the pressure of knowing that my LSAT was going to determine 99% of it because my, my GPA was so low. So I kind of had this knife to my throat for a year where I was either studying for the LSAT or feeling guilty that I wasn't studying for the LSAT. Oh, gosh. And it really, for 11 months, which is longer than most people also keep in mind, I had a full-time job. I lived with the question of whatever the decision is, will this help me do better on the LSAT? So whether it's going to a movie Saturday night, you know, obviously don't, you know, take my advice too seriously. Like don't miss your cousin's bar mitzvah, <laughs> you know, once in a while, like, cause you want to study, study, study full time. But I definitely didn't see my friends for a long time. And I just focused on studying for the LSAT and it paid off. It sure did. It sure did. What would you have liked me to ask you? Uh, that was it about the LSAT. I really think a lot of people, including me for years, like think that it's it's an IQ test and it's really not. It's really a learnable test. And I think a lot of people study wrong. What's studying wrong or right? I mean, for example, if, if a student, let's say someone who's a freshman in college and knows they want to go to law school and they're like four years early, I'm going to start studying now. And they study a little bit every day. T to me, that'd be like, if you want to want to run a 26 mile marathon, so you run a mile every day. When you get to the marathon, you're not going to be able to do the 26 miles. Right. So another thing where you trust the expert and go to people who, who teach the LSAT well, which is also a, another area, but it, it's really something that's a learnable skill. And don't tell yourself, well, I'm not in the top tier of intelligence, so I probably can't get the top tier of, of, of grades and scores in, on the LSAT. And I think with the right motivation and really looking at your mistakes and, and being your own coach and beating yourself up about it. Cause no one else will do it. it can really help you to maximize your potential on the LSAT. All right. Well, you obviously did. I want to thank you so much, Yitzi, for taking the time to join me today. I really appreciate your sharing your experience and perspective. Now, before we started the interview, you and I had talked where people can reach out to you via LinkedIn and we're going Absolutely. to, okay. If they have questions for you. I actually reached out to one of your guests who, who had uh, offered people to reach out to. Uh, it was uh, Chris Meltzer. Sure. He's a professor at Pepperdine. And he, yes. at the end of his interview, offered anyone want to reach out. I took him up on his offer and he helped me on a couple of my essays. Wow. Um, right. So honestly, if anyone has questions about being a older parent, non-traditional applicant, or just want to talk about the LSAT, I'd love to talk to them. Yitzi Frankel. Y-I-T-Z-Y-F-R-A-N-K-E-L. Find me on LinkedIn. And uh, if I'm not studying, I'll respond. Okay, great. And we'll link to Yitzi's LinkedIn profile from accepted.com slash 507, which are the show notes for today's show. So um, again, Yitzi, thank you. Thank Listener you. And I know I've said this before, but thank you to Accepted and to Brigida, who really, that's like my other piece of advice. Go to the experts. They know how to apply. They know law schools. And don't mess it up. Okay. I'll tell you what, we'll also link to Brigitte's profile from the show notes at accept.com slash 507 so that if anybody wants to engage with her and get her assistance, they'll be able to do so. So thank you for that, Yitzi. Awesome. 
And then listener, thank you too for tuning in to this, our 507th episode. If you are concerned at all that you missed something in today's show or want to take a note or two, but couldn't because you were driving, jogging, doing the dishes or whatever, you'll find the show notes for this episode at accepted.com slash 507. Quick reminder, don't miss the law school admissions quiz. Find out if you are really ready to apply to law school and competitive at your target programs. You can access it at accepted.com slash law dash quiz. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted, and I'm your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. 